Welcome to Something Positive for Positive People, Caitlin. Ah, uh, y'all thought I was talking to y'all. I was talking to the guest in the intro this time, so. <laughs> How you feeling, Caitlin? I feel really good. Thank you for having me on here today. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, I appreciate you being willing to interview, um, just especially with all the uncertainty in the air, like for you to still be willing to volunteer your time to share your experience and provide support for potentially somebody that you will never meet or engage with in life. I really appreciate this. I'm really happy to do it. Are you taking care of yourself during the COVID-19 crisis? Yeah, I'm just feeling better. I was sick for three weeks. I wasn't able to get a test, but it definitely could have been COVID. Mm. I was really sick, so I just feel so thankful to be feeling good again. Yeah, what were some of the symptoms that you were experiencing? Uh, a high fever, a dry cough, ex- exhaustion. I was so exhausted I could barely do anything, and those are the main symptoms of sore throat, too. Oh, and this went on for a few weeks? Yeah, like three, over three weeks. Did anyone around you have any symptoms at all? My son ended up getting sick, but he must have a really strong immune system because in three days he had fought it off. He had a higher fever than I did, but he was better in three days, so I was happy about that. Oh, okay. How old's your son? He's four. Oh, okay. Yeah, Yeah, kids are like superheroes when it comes to this stuff. They bounce back so quickly. So quickly. (laughs) So much energy the next day, so... He's like, Mom, you're sick, so what? Come on, let's go play. Let's do stuff. Ah, terrorize. Yeah, the hardest part, not being able to bring him outside and go on walks and stuff. Luckily, I have my parents to help me out. Yeah. And then being, are you able to work right now? or? Um. Well, I was nannying. I can't nanny right now mm-hmm. with everything that's going on. But I just got certified to be a health coach, so I'm working on starting up that business right now okay well congratulations to you thank you yeah i see a lot of memes specifically online of parents empathizing with teachers and people who normally have their kids all day and uh it's it's just funny to see that kind of thing are you experiencing like any overwhelm but your your son's four so daycare maybe preschool i stayed home with him the whole time since he was little and this is his first year of preschool but it's only like three hours a day three days a week so for me it's not really much of a change Mm -hmm. but it was it was nice like having those three hours to myself three days a week to do work so now I just um can only really do work when he goes to bed or if I wake up early before he wakes up Mm -hmm. okay all right well um if you are ready we can go ahead and transition into your experience so uh, just let us know uh, what you were diagnosed with when what happened that led to you realizing that uh, you were positive for herpes and then we'll just get into it conversationally from there so I didn't ask you for any of your story or experience because it just makes it so much more real whenever I'm hearing it for the first time, like everybody else. So you might see me make some faces. You can just ignore my facial expressions. Okay. (laughs) Okay, well, it was 2012. I was living on St. Thomas in the Virgin Islands, and I got into a relationship that summer. I 
July. I got into a relationship and it moved really, really fast. Like we ended up kind of, he kind of ended up like moving in with me after a few weeks and um, like when we started having sex, before we had sex, I did talk to him. I asked him if he'd been tested, if he had any STIs. He said he'd been tested, he had no STIs. And we were still using a condom, but after a few weeks, he was saying he didn't like to use condoms. And I just said, okay, we don't have to since we're, we have both been tested. And like a week or two later, we were having sex, and he stopped and he said that he had a scratch or something on his penis that hurt. And we had to stop. It was hurting him. And I remember at the time thinking, that's a really weird place to have a scratch, but that's like all I thought about it. I didn't give it a second thought because I didn't really know any symptoms of herpes or any other STIs. Uh, and then a few weeks after that, I started getting flu-like symptoms. I that wasn't so bad. I mean, it was bad to feel sick, but then a little bit after that, I had an outbreak, my first outbreak, and it was, at that time, the most painful thing I had ever been through. Now, I childbirth was more painful than that, but at that time, it was so painful. The only thing that would make it feel better is, like, to put an ice pack on it. I, could, I couldn't sleep at night. I was just crying like because I was looking up I was like investigating what it could be and as soon as I started reading about herpes I was sure that that was it um I was talking to this guy that I was with and he was saying I know it's that I don't have that I was telling him like I need to go to the doctor he was like telling me no don't go to the doctor it'll be fine and that. Uh, I ended up going to the doctor, and as soon as the doctor saw, she said, that looks just like herpes, I'm going to give it a test, but I'm pretty sure that that's herpes, so uh, she tested it, came back positive for HSV2, and I was devastated, I was so, so upset, I could just remember crying, crying, crying about it, and I came to him with this piece of paper saying that I had herpes and then he was crying and saying he was so sorry he didn't know that he had it um and I just gosh I felt like my life changed like uh, I was afraid to tell anyone I think it took me a couple months to even tell my mom and we're really really close um I just felt like kind of trapped, like I have to be with this person forever because no one else is going to want me because of this diagnosis. So um, this relationship turned out to be so unhealthy and every time I would try to get away from it, he would always come back to the fact that like we both had herpes and no one would ever want me after him. and. Um, I ended up staying with him for about a year and then I left the island. And after I left the island, um, oh, I should, I should probably say something else. 
when I found that I, I had herpes, I decided that I didn't want to go on any medications or I didn't want to like take something I have to take my whole life. That was just like my personal ideas about it at the time. And I looked into everything, like all these natural remedies on all the, everything I was looking at, all these people were saying you can cure herpes. So I was like thinking, oh my gosh, I can cure this. And I was looking into Dr. Sebi and um, I actually at one point became a fruitarian. I uh, was trying everything to get rid of it. I noticed that coffee and alcohol would cause outbreaks. So I cut those completely out of my life and anything that, I mean, it was actually good at the time. I was learning about what was causing my outbreaks and, and helping myself. And um, I mean, today it's different because at the beginning, a lot of things are causing outbreaks. And now I can drink coffee or have a drink or two and I'm fine. But um, I was really into looking for a cure for it at that time. I thought it could be cured. And every time I would go a long time without an outbreak, but if I got back to those old triggers like stress and not enough sleep, it would always come back. So um, that was really frustrating at that time. And so a year later, I left the island. I found out maybe a month after I left that my ex was with someone that we both knew, like a mutual acquaintance. And I remember talking to him. I called him on the phone. And I said, you just, like, I'm, I don't care who you're with or anything, but you have to promise me that you're going to tell her that you have herpes. You have to tell her. Like, she deserves to know. You know now, so it's your responsibility to tell her. So he promised me that he was going to tell her. And a while later, maybe like nine months to a year later, I got a call from this woman, and she asked me, she said, did he ever give you an STD? And my heart dropped at that moment because I just knew that he never told her. And I told her, yes, she gave me herpes, and she was so, so upset and said he never told her that. So that was really hard. I felt really guilty, like, I should have told her myself. And I also was thinking, like, wow, if he is going to get into a relationship with her and not tell her, like, he definitely could have known before he got into a relationship with me that he had herpes. It just pretended that he didn't know. So for a long time, I was so mad at him, but I totally forgive him now. Like, I don't have any bad feelings towards him, but uh, that was how I got her First question I have was you said that he didn't like to use condoms and then you were just like, okay, whatever. My question is, how did you feel about condoms? Do you feel like this was a choice that you wanted to make for yourself as well? Or was it something that you were just going along with what he wanted? I was definitely going along with what he wanted, but I didn't feel, I didn't feel too strongly about it. Like, I feel like if I had felt, like, really strongly about it, I would have put my foot down. But I was just like, well, you both have 
have been tested, so I guess that's fine. Was that what your intuition said? We both been tested, so it's fine. We don't have to. Honestly, my intuition throughout the process of me getting to know him and everything happening with our relationship, I I ignored red flags. I, I, looking back, I realized, like, there were red flags, and I kind of felt it, like, in my gut that something was off or something wasn't right, but I think that I just wanted it to work out, and I felt lonely there, like, I had no family around me, so I wanted someone, and I just ignored the red flags. Off the top of your head, can you recall any of the red flags just to give people an idea of how we can go against our intuition? I remember him telling me about his life and his family and his friends, and he had a lot of enemies, I would say, even in his close family, and everything was always the other person's fault. Like, it seemed like he could never look at a situation and say, like, we both contributed to this in some way. He always would, the fault was completely always on the other person. And it just didn't feel right to me. Like, he wasn't on speaking terms with his mom. And, I mean, obviously, there are some situations where it's a, tox a toxic relationship between a mother and a child, but... Um, just how many different people around him were uh, disassociating themselves from him and how it was always their fault. Um, and just, I don't know, just when it came to that scratch thing, like that felt off to me. Mm -hmm. That there was a scratch there that didn't, that felt weird. Like, I don't think that's a scratch, but. Yeah. Um, okay. And um, only as just, for other people to be able to see um, just how powerful our intuition is. If you had things that were telling you you had feelings, don't ignore the gut feelings that you're having. There may be something there to investigate. And did you ever ask him or question him about his relationships and friendships with people that were, that seemed to be so negative or um, that made everyone out to be such enemies or whatever? Um, yeah, I did, especially his mom, because she didn't live far from him. I would, I would say, like, you know, maybe it would be worth just going over to talk to her or trying to, trying to work things out. Because, I mean, from the things he was saying, his mom was kind of reacting in a normal way that a human would, would react to things he was doing. And it was just no ability to take responsibility. When you went to, you said, the Virgin Islands? Mm -hmm. What were you there for? I was going to school, and I was uh, waitressing, and I was playing volleyball. Oh, so you played volleyball professionally, or was it in, in school? Uh, I played in school, and then when I lived on St. Thomas, I was representing the Virgin Islands for beach. So we would travel to different islands. Yeah. That sounds fun. He, just, he swooped him up an athlete. He saw his opportunity and was like, come here, girl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you mentioned that the relationship itself 
after the diagnosis, y'all had this kind of, well, we both got herpes, we're going to be together. Can you talk a little bit about what the relationship became like after you tested positive and then you pointed it out to him and he swore he didn't know? How did you two date? When times were good, they were really good. We had a lot of fun together, but when times were bad, they were really, really bad. And, uh, I mean, he was definitely, he was never abusive physically, but he would know just what to say that would hurt someone the most. So that's what it would always come to if we ever got in a disagreement. And, um, it was just very, very unhealthy and, it was very hard for me to remove myself from the relationship, even though early on I knew it was it would be best for me. It was a combination of like of the diagnosis and of like I can't describe it almost like an addiction to the relationship. Like I would miss him so much when I was when we weren't together and then he'd come back saying he was so sorry for whatever it was and then get back together. So. That makeup sex. <laughs> yeah. So it was just the polarity was there. Like there was such extremes in the relationship. Um, yeah. And it seems like the only reason that you two stayed together was because of the STD, which also may have been the reason that you would have normally broken up with someone. Is that an accurate sentence? Yeah. All right. So if uh, STD aside, would you have been with this person? No, I, I realized now looking back, everything happened way too fast, and I didn't really get to know him before I jumped right into a relationship with him, and this person that I was with is so good at reading people and knowing exactly what people are looking for and what they want to hear, so when we first met, I was hearing all these things like that made me think, like, wow, this is like my soulmate we were meant to be together like at that time I was vegan and when we first started talking I found out he was vegan and like spiritual and like what at that time that's what I was looking for in a partner so I was like man this is meant to be but it was just uh all too fast for me to really truly know oh that's an interesting sentence that um things moved just so quickly um, from even just a few weeks of living together, the relationship to not wearing condoms. Oh, another red flag was so fast. Within a week of being together, he told me that he loved me. And I remember thinking, like, that's impossible. Like, there's no way. He doesn't know me. How could he love me? So that was a red flag that I just chose to ignore at the time. Well, you said that you were there and you were alone. You didn't really have, you didn't have family there. So maybe you were more receptive to something like this, the attention. It felt good to be cared for, to have a connection and to be seen. It sounds like that the ability for you to become attracted may have been more amplified by such a, a lack for so long. How long were you there and away from family, away from people that you knew before you met this person? Gosh. I think it was almost a year. Mm. A year I had been there. Yeah. So, I mean, after a year of just kind of like 
not having any real, and I'm I'm saying this assuming that maybe you weren't seeing anyone seriously over this time period, but for you to have gone so long without to to finally have or have like a glimpse of what this could look like, I imagine it was really easy to look over red flags because you had that connection, companionship, especially from someone who's saying all the right things. Yeah, looking back on it, I can see all that, and like it's easy to it's easy to talk about now because like I honestly wouldn't change anything about what happened, like not one thing. Like I feel like everything happened for a reason for me, and if everything hadn't happened like that in St. Thomas, I hadn't left, I wouldn't have had my son. So I'm so thankful that I did overlook the red flags and that everything worked out. Mm-hmm. So herpes kept you together. What finally ended the relationship between you two? My mom came down to the island and said, you have to leave. <laughs> like She knew about this relationship and she was scared for me. She was really scared for me and I don't know if I could have pulled myself away if she hadn't come. So How did she know that things were bad or weren't good or whatever? <sighs> well... Three months into it, we had such a big fight, and he was scaring me so much that the police were involved. And after that, um, I was away from him for a little bit, but as I said before, I couldn't stay away from him, so our relationship had to be secret because everyone knew what had happened. All my friends knew, my family knew, and I knew that I had to keep it a secret. So I kept it a secret for a long time, but I couldn't keep it from my mom. I told her, I told her what was going on, and she was just scared for me. You wanted to say what happened? Like what this thing was? <clears throat> you don't have to. I'm trying to think of exactly how it happened. We were at my apartment, and he would get into these moods that would just scare me. Like his eyes would change, and it was like someone I didn't know. And I remember he just started to be mean, and I said, you have to go. I locked him out of my apartment, and he started trying to break in, like break through the window. And that's when the police were called. Seeing him like this, this was the first time this had happened, where you saw him be someone, oh, no, it wasn't? Yeah, I think that was the first time I saw that side of him. And then after you told your mom about this, that's when she was like, "Uh uh-uh, we getting out of here? It actually took her a while because I didn't want her to worry. I was trying to make it seem like I had control of the situation and when I really didn't. But I think in April was when she came down. Okay. I've been telling y'all about our sponsors of Something Positive for Positive People and one of them is Let's Get Checked. Let's Get Checked provides at-home testing and specifically SCI testing as it applies to the listeners of Something Positive for Positive People. I took a test, uh, it's been roughly 10 days ago, yeah, and um, the results came back a a couple of days ago, actually, and uh, there was some wording that I was unfamiliar with, non-reactive. Uh, when I looked at what type of HSV I had, because I was diagnosed originally with genital HSV-2 around eight years ago. I believe this is the eighth year, yeah. And I was tested a few years later, and it was still there. And so I was just curious if at some point I had acquired HSV-1, or if anything had changed, or if the test results would be different. And I saw that 
under my HSV test results, it came back non-reactive. Now, I was like, oh my God, I'm negative for herpes. How ironic would this be for me to host a podcast talking about having herpes and people uh, who I interview also have herpes, but that wasn't the case. I was very confused about the language because it said my urine sample came back non-reactive for HSV. So, uh, I thought that that was a typo. I thought that was like a mistake, but I was able to connect with them. I contacted the customer support center. I wasn't on hold. Um, it gave me options to set up the phone call. So I set one up between 7 p.m. and 8 p.m. Um, and I missed a call when they called me the first time. So I tried to hurry up and call right back. Uh, but they ended up calling me back uh, within maybe 30 minutes or so. And I had the person on the phone for a good five to seven minutes asking questions because I had never heard of a test, a urine test, uh, seeing if I had herpes. So she explained to me how it worked. Um, and this is something that I'm definitely going to investigate further. But the urine sample would have shown whether or not I was reactive and what that looks like is me having an active outbreak or me actively shedding uh, is what she said. So if there was any of that in my urine, then that's what would have shown. So that was interesting to learn that because I had just never heard that terminology before. And so that goes to just speak to the ease of use of the services of Let's Get Checked. And if you want to check them out, then you can feel free to check out www.trylgc.com slash SPFPP and you'll save 30% off your first SCI test kit. Again, that is trylogic.com without the vowels, T-R-Y-L-G-C.com slash SPFPP. And at checkout, please enter the code SPFPP in order to get that 30% off of your SCI testing kit. Next sponsor we have is BetterHelp. I spoke for probably 20 minutes on episode 137 of Something Positive for Positive People about my therapist and the experiences that we've had. So I'm not going to talk your ear off about that here, but I am going to say that this has been a powerful experience for me. And I happen to have a therapist that I really connect with and our experiences seem to be paralleling one another. Um, one thing that we're working on now is my relationship with my younger siblings. And I'm sure y'all are like, what? You got younger siblings? What? I'm the oldest of five. I have a little sister and I have three younger brothers. And what was interesting was that my therapist suggested after I had a conversation with him about, uh, a conversation that I had with my father, just letting him know, how I felt about some of his behaviors toward me, the way that I feel about him, my therapist pointed out that perhaps my younger siblings feel that way about me, and my head almost exploded. Luckily, it didn't, because now I get to talk about it and sell the <laughs> services of better help, because um, I contacted all four of my siblings, well, except my little sister. I just looked up and realized that um, the phone number, I got a new phone, so the phone number that I had for her was her old number, and that's why I hadn't heard back from her in the last few days. I was like, oh, this is weird. So, 
yeah, this has been powerful for me. And I think that it's helping me become a better person, better podcaster, better nonprofit founder and executive director, because I am becoming more of a whole person. And these fragments of myself that I try and keep separate and keep from connecting with one another, they're, they're integrating together in a way that is allowing for me to present myself to you all, to the world, to the podcast listeners, and to uh, the people who are going to be able to provide opportunities for everything that it is I'm, I'm stepping into. So I'm very grateful for my therapist. I'm grateful to BetterHelp for sponsoring the podcast. For 10% off your first month of services, visit www dot betterhelp dot com slash s p f p p again that's www dot betterhelp b e t t e r help h e l p dot com slash s p f p p for your first month you get ten percent off of counseling services. So you get out of that relationship. And we're talking, it's been eight years at this point, right? Eight years? Yeah, eight years. Oh, all right. Dating for you over the last eight years. So you had your son four years ago. Um, so I guess between the period of ending that relationship and then meeting your son's father, what was that time period like for you? Except for my son's father, there hasn't been any dating for me. I am very much a loner I would say like I'm really happy being by myself and uh, especially after that last relationship I was like I'm gonna get to know someone really well and I'd rather be by myself than be with someone that isn't right for me and especially especially after my son was born my son was born in 2016 January since then I haven't dated at all like me and his father haven't been together, but I've really just been focusing on him because I know that this time in his life goes by so fast being a baby, being a toddler, and I just wanted to give all my love and attention to him and not try and think about uh, looking for anyone. Like, I, do, I really do feel happy by myself, so I feel like when I'm supposed to meet that person. I'm going to meet them. I don't have to worry about it or try. So. Yeah. Were there any concerns around the pregnancy, given your diagnosis? Um. Well, I knew right away when I got pregnant I wanted to have a home birth. And I found a really amazing midwife nearby. And as my first meeting with her, I told her that I had HSV2, and she was so understanding and uh, said how common it was and that everything would be fine as long as I wasn't having an outbreak or any, like, prodromal symptoms as I was giving birth. So while I was pregnant, I was really taking care of myself, meditating, getting enough sleep, all the things that um, make keep it so I don't have an outbreak. And the whole pregnancy... I never had an outbreak or any prodromal symptoms, and I had a healthy home birth, actually right here in this room, um, and it all worked out well. Oh, that's beautiful. You don't seem to really have many concerns about it. Um, you mentioned being a loner. You had your son, and everything was okay throughout the process of uh, delivering him. 
how do we get here? How do we get to where you are from crying with your partner at that time with your test results to so easily just being able to talk through it? Um, a lot of work on myself, a lot of work on myself. Um, it's really taken all of these eight years, like step by step to get to this place. Cause I remember a couple of years ago, I wanted to start sharing about this and I, talk to my mom, like, mom, I think I, I'm going to, like, start talking about this on my YouTube channel, and she's like, no, like, right away, she's like, you can't talk about this, like, because she is a mom, she wants to protect me from judgments and stuff, and she's like, well, what, she's the one who brought up about my son, what if Elijah's in school someday, and his friends see your videos, and people make fun of him, so as soon as she said that a couple years ago, I'm like, you're right, you're right, I can't talk about it. But recently, like a month or two ago, I thought about it, and at that point, I like, I felt so sure and so strong about it that I just didn't feel the need to talk to anyone about it. Like, I didn't bring it up to my mom until after I put the video up, and I knew she'd be upset, but I just, I finally got to the place where it doesn't matter what anyone thinks or says about it. I feel so okay with it that no one else's opinion can make me not okay with it. Mm -hmm. While we're on the subject, there's been a lot of various topics and content up in the air on social media about public disclosure. We're at a time now where I'm seeing more public herpes disclosures on Facebook posts, on uh, YouTubes, on people's various platforms that they have. And it's really encouraging. It's really giving me hope that by the time your son is in high school, with the way that upcoming generations are handling uh, SCI conversations and sexual health, that this won't be a thing that he has to worry about being made fun of. What I love about what you just said was it was the truth. Like you spoke to your family, you spoke to your mom about it, and she gave you some real feedback that encouraged you to not necessarily talk about it on the public space, right? We don't get to see any of this behind the scenes stuff when public disclosure is the topic of discussion, right? So many people have been called brave for disclosing their status, but I think that a common trait that it is or characteristic is more so privilege. I wouldn't say privilege is a characteristic, but the circumstances that a person are in leaves for them to be able to disclose. So I'm someone who doesn't have children. I happen to work with a friend. So my career and family is not really a big concern for me. So I want to ask you, what were some of the other things that you may have been considering that made you against public disclosure? Like, I want to give people space here to see that it's okay for you not to publicly disclose despite the pressure that may be in the atmosphere on social media. Yeah. Kind of tying in with that, before I give that answer, I want to just say my first experience of myself hearing about herpes, I was probably six years old, and I remember I was at my grandmother's house. Wait, wait, did you say 16? Six. Six, okay. I was at my grandmother's house, and I remember my grandmother and my dad talking, like, kind of whispers. But, I, you know, like, when you're a kid, 
going on something thing that you know what they're talking about, but you know what they're talking about. So I was listening in on this, and I found out that a family member that I love very much had gotten herpes from her boyfriend. And my grandmother was crying, and I was like, inside feeling like oh my god is she gonna what is this is she gonna die from this like this is so bad like whatever this is is so bad because she's crying about this and i don't think i had ever seen her cry so when we left i was trying to talk to my dad about it and he just said like it's something you get and you have for your whole life and it's really bad so all of my ideas and thoughts about herpes kind of came from that like and i remember even thinking about disclosing it, like thinking about my grandmother's reaction to finding out that someone she loved had herpes, I was thinking like, my family will react like that and be so sad and crying and uh, like people that I know will think differently of me. It was more of me thinking about what other people would think than thinking about what I wanted to do. So, Thank you for saying that because ultimately the decision is and was yours so you decided for yourself that it was best not to can you say what like led to you making that final choice not fully accepting that part of myself yet that was the only thing holding me back because now that i do fully accept that part of myself i see that was the only thing that was missing i still had that shame about it and Even though it wasn't as big as before, I still felt kind of ashamed of it and kind of afraid of what people would think. And I think that's the only thing that was preventing me from sharing about it. And you haven't shared publicly, right? Uh, I did. I made a, I have, I've had a YouTube channel for like six years. um, And I made a second YouTube channel to talk about this. Okay. Because I... You know, this whole time I was like, did she do it or did she not do it? I can't tell. But uh, ultimately the decision was yours and then you made the decision to do so. Um, We talked before recording the podcast more so about this and that your intention was really to help other people, right? Yeah, especially um, just remembering how I felt when I first found out. And at that time, there really wasn't as much out there. There weren't as many people who were sharing about it. And I know that if there had been one person, like on YouTube or something that I had just connected with and said, like, it's okay. Like, this person has it too. They're okay. They're thriving. They have learned to live with it in a healthy and good way. I would have felt so much better. So that was really the main reason and also like envisioning who I want to be in my life like it's someone who would share something like that like like when you hear about the celebrities and things like giving people herpes and all the uh the lawsuits and stuff against about that it just gives me such a bad feeling like trying to hide that if I if I saw like a celebrity out there saying like this is what I have like sharing that like that's such a amazing and like respectable thing to do and that's like the kind of person I want to be so yeah so this your disclosure publicly 
Um, it aligns with who you are. It aligns with the kind of person that you want to be. And so you've been able to do that. Have you received any sort of backlash, criticism, or support? Um, I've definitely gotten support. And, I mean, the best thing that I've gotten is just messages from people saying, like, your video helped me. I'm going through this, too. Like, that's the best thing that I could receive from it. There are some mostly things, like, when I shared my story, people being like, wow, you were so stupid. <laughs> like, because I short shared all the details. They're like, I can't believe you. Like, I don't know. Just like, are these friends or are these just internet people? Oh, just internet people. Oh, so they're saying that you know you're stupid for telling the world that you have herpes. No, for like not listening to the red flag. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so this is about the relationship. Okay, so there's just disagree with them, but there's nothing I can do now to change yeah. that. You learn. You learn, and then you're giving the world the lessons that you learn from because uh, so many of our experiences are so similar, yet each one is different. And here we are. I think there's about 150 recordings altogether of something positive for positive people. And the majority of the stories that we hear from people who are living with herpes are more so about them and how they view themselves and how herpes sort of brings that to the surface and then they go through their healing processes. So that's really what this is about. So it's the people who, I'm glad they're commenting more on your relationship than they are the herpes. That makes me very happy because now we're getting into the um, more important elements of uh of, of everything, like the core of who we are and not just like on a surface level, uh, a situation or a thing about us. Yeah, definitely. Anything else you want to leave us with? Um, just to say, I really admire you and I appreciate what you're doing and I think you're doing a really amazing thing by sharing people's stories and sharing your story and helping people accept this diagnosis. Thank you. I appreciate that. All right. That concludes this episode of Something Positive for Positive People. Please like, rate, review, share, subscribe to, donate to this podcast and nonprofit. You see how I just threw donate to up in there? <laughs> uh, you can visit www.spfpp.org or if you want the long handle, somethingpositiveforpositivepeople.org. But I just abbreviated it um, to make it easier to find and type in without any typos. So uh, lots of great conversations here uh, please thank the guest in the comment section or even in the reviews that you type up it's really helping us right now um, especially during the COVID times right because more people are at home more people are listening to podcasts and um, a lot of people are still reaching out and new to finding this content and we can make it a little bit easier for them to find because uh, with those reviews all of the podcast hosting websites promote the podcast that get the most engagement. So if you all can help me with that, we can help someone else as well just by being a little bit easier to discover. So thank you all for all of everything, all of your support to this point. Um, you're really helping me get through all of the challenges of the uncertainty here by giving me this accountability to continue to remain consistent. Consistency is the language of the universe. 
and kindness is a universal currency. All right, Caitlin, close us out with it. Till next time, stay sex positive. Till next time, stay sex positive. Woo woo. Look at you, you're a podcast host now. <laughs>